Welcome back to episode 38 of Black Band T-Shirt Podcast. We are still here with Mr. Jack Kirby Lowe, uh, covering the remainder of Iron Maiden's career. So in the first part, we covered, unfortunately covered the Blaze Bailey era of uh, The X Factor and um, Virtual Eleven. Sorry, I have to swallow. <laughs> so um, I and <laughs> the first, speak yourself. Uh, the first two of uh, Bruce Dickinson's return, Brave New World and Dance of Death. And now we head into <laughs> the mid-2000s onwards. But, first of all, visit to Jack's favourite album of this era, A Matter of Life and Death. Why do you love it so much, mate? Uh, well, yeah, so we've, we've touched on um, this theme before, but like uh, I think a lot of Maiden's strongest albums are... <laughs> consistent in sort of the songwriting and, and thematically as well yeah. and I think of the post 2000s stuff um, The Matter of Life and Death is, is definitely their most consistent record in terms of both of those elements um, I, I again it came out I, I can't discount this from sort of my feelings about it but it came mm-hmm. out um, you know very much at the peak of my um, discovering and loving the band um, so I'm sure that plays a part in it it is well regarded by the fans as well um, sort of from I think very broadly <laughs> from what I can gather but yeah I just think it's a, a really wonderful record again it, it's kind of they, they they got back together for Break New World and that was that went down really well they experimented and played a bit with, with Dance of Death and were having fun and I think again this is sort of the culmination I think these three albums are a really strong run and I think Matter of Life and Death is kind of the uh, culmination of everything they've done around that and and they kind of again they knew how each other were playing how they were writing how they were performing and it kind of just shows for me on all of this and I think there's ambition around this album mm-hmm. I think they had something to say it's not a concept album as such but a lot of the mm. songs are about uh, war and <laughs> and religion as well. I mean, a lot of Iron Maiden songs are about war and religion, but yeah. it feels like a, a through line through all of this. Um, it feels very, again, very sort of post-Iraq war. I think a lot of the songs uh, have been influenced by that one way yeah. or another. Um, and again, I touched on this in part one, but sort of the way they write about war, I think it really matures um, or has matured on this album. Things like, so These Colours Don't Run, which is about, and The Longest Day as well both songs sung from the perspective of a soldier um, but certainly in the former like it could be any soldier they're not they're not sort of flying the flag for Britain they, they, the song literally acknowledges this is the same experience mm. from anyone around uh, and again it's not around glorifying war or you know the, sort of it's not about the glory of an individual country or anything like that it's about um, you know why are these people doing it you know it's a job they're doing it. Uh, it's not some sort of sacred crusade. They're they're scared. They're um, terrified a lot of the time. It's grossly unpleasant. Again, longest day feels like a bit of a, a follow up to Passchendaele. So yeah. yes, World War One era. This is this is about the D Day landings, and again, just sort of that sense of futility and hopelessness yeah. know, is captured so much better than they might yeah. have sung about on on previous albums um, and there's some interesting and weirder stuff on there too it's not all like you've got songs like the lead single the reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg which yeah. is a little bit of a, a delightful oddity as far as I'm concerned ah. they uh, <laughs> they lean into some of the proggier stuff too um, yeah. and I 
and I think absolutely key for me um, is is that sort of joint songwriting thing. Like it yeah. isn't um, one member of the band's record. So five out of the ten songs have a, an Adrian Smith writing credit on it, and five out of the ten have a Bruce Dickinson writing credit. I think those two are just such an important foil to Steve Harris, and they really bring um, just a bit of polish, really, to to um, to the band. And yeah, those three are just are sort of the the main the main uh just the most important songwriters i think certainly in this period and i think yeah. any album that's got a good mix of them on is mm-hmm. stronger for it yeah um, I, yeah that's I, my spiel <laughs> I, I i agree with every single thing you've just said and everything you've just said there is why this nearly topped my list as well um hmm. i think yeah it's a weird one this is this is the first one that came out with me being into i made in and I was, uh, uh, just to stop you there, sorry, yeah, briefly. On. Was this the year um, that you saw them headline Reading? It was 2006, so no, I think Reading was 2005. Right. Um, after Dance, yeah, in between Dance of Death and this. This. Would they play? Would they play Benjamin Brig there? Do you remember? I don't no. think so. No. But, they, but, um, but but go oh, yeah, sorry, go on, Jack. Sorry, yeah. They, well, I saw the Leeds show, um, but mm. yeah, that tour they were specifically playing songs just from the first four albums. So, oh, yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, for old yeah. school, and then by absolute direct contrast, on this uh, album tour, they played the album in full, which um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. again, oh, I yes, I remember reading about that now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How high the band think think of it as well. The, the biggest thing for me about why this, even going back, because I. Before we started doing this, I've always remembered it as one of my favourite Maiden albums because mm. it's one that I was aware of when it came out and was excited for it and, and during the release and everything. And I sort of worried going back to it for this, would it be nowhere near as good as I kind of hold it? Um, but something I remember really liking about it at the time, and I think still is the case, is I think it's their most contemporary sounding album mm. um, for a long, long time. Um, there's there's elements. One of the biggest things I thought in terms of a lot of the intros and things sound like Tool. Mm. There's a lot of Tool kind of style okay. guitar riffs going on, um, like just a lot of I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. It sounds like 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 you said, the prog side of it is a big big part of this one, but in a way that is like modern progressive metal. What probably than... helped is around this time. Come to think of it, a lot of Maiden influence bands were coming out. Yeah, you had. Avenged Sevenfold, mm-hmm. Trivium, Trivium yeah. um, My Chemical Romance, yeah, yeah. Bullet for My Valentine, yeah. all coming out, all utterly uh, uh, sounded like Maiden fans. Yeah, uh, that probably helped a lot yeah, with, uh, with it sounding more up to date. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think I think that that what we were saying about Steve Harris wanting them to be a prog band. Mm. I think this is this album for me is the peak of that being successful yeah um and not wearing (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah and and aside from that yeah just agree with everything jack's just said about it basically Mm. fair enough i think why it's probably ended up um well it's still my number three Mm. so i still really like it but i think it's why why it's lowest for me of us three is this is where I start to see the cracks in Bruce's voice. You reckon? Um, I think this is maybe your strongest for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to hear a little bit of the, 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 the creakiness. Maybe just because it's not as impressive as it was mm. on Brave New World and 
dart of death. But um, I mean, <laughs> there's certainly a horrible effect on his voice on Lord of Light. I think this album is quite top loaded as well. Um, the run from tracks three to five are my all my favourites here. Uh, so my number my number three is the longest day. My number two is the pilgrim, and my number one here is brighter than a thousand suns. Cool. But other than that, certainly in the second half, I mean Benjamin Brieg is impressive more than it is good for me. That's my feeling about it. I know it's held uh, quite dearly by a lot of the fan base. Yeah, as a example of their more proggy side and the more interesting side, and 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 and, and I got the impression from what you said just now, Jack, that you're quite a fan of it, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I think it's a. I love the high concept uh, campaign that came, mm. it was the first song they put out, and it was following a, an mm. internet like uh, it was like an internet tale, wasn't it? They sort of set up yeah. fake things on the internet to make it look like a like, real like, thing. Like, would this have been the, the era of like the the lost alternative reality yeah, game? Yeah, I was just yeah. going to mention was that it this like, was so yeah. that yeah right. It, you had these little clues and tidbits. You had to go Google them and find the fake website and all the rest yeah. of it. And and it was quite fun, but like I think I don't think they had any real follow through to it. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't really amount to much, which I I find it kind of endearing to be. Honest. Yeah, this is it. I've just said it's so nerdy and and ill conceived. I absolutely adore it. Yeah, this is it. Um, um go ahead, Chris. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I think, like, kind of like you said, Ollie. Really, I think it's impressive, and and I like that they're they're embracing this side of what they're doing. But to me, the payoff of the song isn't brilliant. I think mm. I'm waiting for that big hook that a lot of the other songs here have, and it doesn't quite get there. Fair. Um, I've highlighted, uh, uh, yeah, as as well. Same for me. Brighter than a thousand suns is my favourite song on the album, yeah, and, and one of my favourite really songs good. overall. Um, uh, it's about the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Um, mm. Again, it's in that. Uh, well, most of it is in seven four time, which I think lends itself. So, so the theme of the song is is sort of science as an affront to God yeah. and therefore mm-hmm. evil, which I think is cool. Um, and sort of yeah, science as Satanism is, is kind of nice. And I think the fact the riff is in that seven four time yeah. kind of lends that sense of evil. I think it's a really one of their heavier tracks as well. Um, Some absolutely beastly yeah. vocals from Bruce in the third verse as well. Mm. Like he's properly mm. giving it at that point. I which... love the, I love the verses. I, I think I think a lot of again Maiden songs that lyrically really strong in the verses, and then there are chords which repeated four times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those final <laughs> verses, I, I think, sort of mm. in the bunkers where we'll die, um, all that kind of stuff is is really really well well written, and it's sort of. Again, I, I quite like sort of Oppenheimer and that kind of thing. Yeah. Sort of, I find that all really fascinating. So I, yeah. it's really cool that they've written a song about that. Uh, with you sort of saying about it being um, top heavy, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I've uh, I think there's only like three songs or maybe four that I don't think are special. I think everything else is is incredible. But I'd certainly Benjamin Brieg for the greater good of God, Lord of Light, and the Legacy. I think are just fantastic. Really, those three longer tracks that they close out with. Mm, I love. I mean, Benjamin Brieg um, for the greater good of God I, is, is my favourite of those. Definitely. Cool. Mm. Uh, with with Brieg, the I really just like the sort of sleazy, almost sort of stoner riff on it. Mm. And I think I think Bruce gives a really good performance on that. I, yeah. I think, and again, some of the lines in that um, they they don't 
work written on paper or repeated by guy on podcasts but like i'm able to see things things i don't want to see the way bruce delivers that i think it's quite scary and really good um and again sort of closing out that um song with just a sustained held note simply because he can (laughs) (laughs) really really like that um and lord of light i think is a real i think that's an underrated gem i really again i think it's quite heavy i it's very proggy. It sort of doesn't repeat verses. Yeah. I think it's only had verses and choruses and then sort of middle section kind of thing. Um, I really Song love about the use- Lucifer, none more metal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Pro- old school Maiden Gallop, so it's definitely yeah. a contemporary sort of vibe, but they do go into the gallop yeah, as well. Yeah, but yeah. like the, the use of the whammy pedal on the solos, again, yes. it lends it that slightly unholy kind of vibe to it, which I really like. And, and I think Legacy is a really interesting final track again Legacy's lots, my number three I really fair. like Legacy yeah lots of really cool multi-track vocals I think it's about Tony Blair <laughs> which which really it kind of dates it a bit well it would do if they'd said hey this is hey Tony Blair or something I don't know mm. but yeah it's uh, I like it a lot I think uh, again it's sort of Yannick Gers, um when he joined the band in the 90s before Bruce left He's done a great job, but I don't think he really, really contributed much sort of songwriting wise until this sort of latter period. Mm. And yeah, I think Legacy is a real sort of uh, calling card for him. I think he's done uh, fantastic work on that, that, the that, use of that, orchestration. Yeah, that, really that whole acoustic, clean kind of orchestral intro reminded me mm. of Opeth, if anyone. Ah, well. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good show. Kind of thing going on. Um, what most in. Um, Sorry, th- this is going way back to when you mentioned from the greater good of God, but what impressed me on that one it, and on a few tracks on this album, when Bruce's wails aren't quite doing it for me, uh, his lower range mm. is very impressive on Good of God. Mm. Yeah. Uh, longest Day as well. Well, so on that, my, my, yes, I said Legacy's my number three. The Open of Different Worlds actually my number two, mm. which we haven't mentioned. I think it's, for me, it's the perfect time made an opener. In, right. In that it is snappy it's quite short it's full of riffs it's mm. full of hooks melodic like vocally and again there's that bit is it the chorus or like pre-chorus or a, i can't remember where it, it is. it kind of has two choruses yeah <laughs> there's the lower the lower range bit he does was a deliberate tribute to thin lizzie and phil Lynott particularly yeah with that kind of style of singing which i think is something sounds like something he's never done before at mm. that point really which mm. i thought was quite cool yeah and then you've got the more sort of traditional big Bruce Ennick right. melody <laughs> afterwards um, but yeah I just think the way that that song just bursts straight in with the really cool sort of classic guitar riff is, is really good what's our least favourite here chaps I, I haven't said The Longest Day by the way it's my number one ah which snuck uh, up on me it's never mm. been one that I think of from this album particularly yeah um, uh, I agree actually it, every time I listen to it I think I, why is, why is yeah. this not my favourite so it's, a, it's really really good yeah. I think in terms of least favourite Again, I don't think it's a bad song. I just think it's the weakest on the album is Out of the Shadows. Yeah. Um, just just yeah. a bit too balladic for me. Yes, I, um, exactly. I think it's another one. Um, what did I say on Brave New World? Sound like the Unforgiven Mama Metallica. This is another one. Yeah. Like, I think, again, Bruce is absolutely bringing it on that last chorus with his yeah. voice. But, but yeah, ultimately, I think what you just said, Jack, about it being a ballad amongst a lot of songs that are more interesting than that. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like... A big rock band. We're going to go a bit country now, yeah. And absolutely not my favourite thing. <laughs> Far from it. 
Um, <laughs> it might be funny to talk at this point. Uh, so when I um, when I was doing the prep for this podcast, I was listening to a couple with my girlfriend Josie, who uh, um, chat met the other day, and um, <laughs> she she quite liked Dart of Death. She quite liked this. She was like. <laughs> Am I becoming a Maiden fan? But um, and Nikki has absolutely not gone through that journey. What I was going to say, what I was going to ask, what I was going to ask here is, what do our partners think of Iron Maiden? Because it's Nikki reiterated <laughs> yesterday. So full disclosure, I've been very busy the last couple of weeks, and I ended up having to do my notes for the last three albums that we're about to talk about all yesterday right which meant and it's worth mentioning at this point they are the three longest Iron Maiden albums <laughs> uh, which meant Nikki as well as myself being subjected to four and a half hours worth of Iron Maiden <laughs> uh, by the time I got to the end she went is that it I went yeah that's finished she went thank fuck for that <laughs> So I think that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> Josie's takeaway from Ambassador of Life and Death Ambassador of Life and Death is Oh, I bet he has little army bed sheets and a Spitfire <laughs> mo- mobile. Oh, you almost certainly don't. Almost definitely, yeah. <laughs> what about your better half, Jack? What does she um, think about Maiden? Doesn't like them. That's doesn't the, like them. I remember Hot Take. Yeah. <laughs> They did a concert film that they actually put out in cinemas, I think literally for one day, I think shortly after we'd been together for not that long. Which, yeah. you know, st- still in the phase of the relationship where she's willing to humour me. For- <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, God bless her. Uh, yeah, she didn't didn't enjoy that. that was, um, and then, yeah, but I was watching on YouTube uh, the making of a uh, documentary that was included in for this album, actually. Mm. And... Yeah, I was sort of listening. That's interesting. It's an interesting perspective. I quite like sort of making of album doc kind of stuff. And uh, just sort of every other word, she said, "What? <laughs> what is he saying? What they thought? What? <laughs> just, just everything this. I mean, she thought she was watching Spinal Tap. I think yeah. um, but, it is uh, worth actually. You can, you can still yeah. All of the the making of of this album is all on YouTube, isn't it? Still, it's it's um. Yeah, worth a watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I, I didn't think oh. anything was too controversial, but yeah, uh, in without being steeped in it, it does sound a bit ridiculous. <laughs> um, there's, there's just a few quick points, just generally mm. about matter of life and death, that I think are worth worth a quick mention before we move on. I mean, the first thing, just a trivia thing, that it's it's um, the first album in their career to enter the US billboards in the top ten, ah. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, the fact. That's something I didn't know before, but I think is really interesting is that they deliberately didn't master this album at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not only did they go with the live recording idea, but they then left it completely unmastered because they wanted it to sound as live as possible. And I mm. think the fact it sounds as great as it does mm. um, is, is even more impressive when you bear that in mind. Yeah, um, I think it was a really good, good decision. Um, the last thing is I said it would come up again my worst thing about I mean my best thing about the album in general is, is Nico I think it's his best album mm, uh, yeah. drumming wise but um, the worst thing about it again is is the tasteless artwork for mm. me I think considering I think it gives the wrong impression of the album Yeah, we've said so much about how they've managed to mature how they write about war and how this album is massively anti-war yeah, across yeah. the board um, like, and the, the artwork uh, uh, would not suggest no. that and it's a waste as well as I didn't realise it's Tim Bradstreet who did the artwork who was the illustrator of like the um, 
Punisher, the most famous kind of Punisher oh, wow. comics. Okay. Really talented guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, when you look at it, knowing that, you can tell yeah. that that's who it is that's done it. And and for it to for for them to have got him on board, but got him to do what they did, get him to do for it, I, I think it's a shame. For yeah, that's now, an interesting but, point there. Actually, yeah. I've I've always found Eddie like I think as I said last time, like the sort of more. I just don't care. I don't. Mm. I don't need an Eddie on an album I cover. And the fact that Eddie is kind of pretty in the background. Yeah, he's not. The, he's not the focus. Not prominent at all, really. Um, so yeah, I always found that kind of an appealing thing. But yeah, it definitely doesn't quite capture the tone of the album's no, thoughts and feelings no. on war in that sense. I mean, I don't think it's that right. Well, hey, let's no. go to war, lads. No, no, no. But yeah, it's definitely maybe not quite right. I'd say, um, yeah, it's not. It's not. Um... It's not glorifying war, but it's perhaps uh, gratuitous. Yes, on, on the subject, yeah. like, like um, looking at the cover, you wouldn't think it opens up with a line like "We are not the sons of God; we are not His people anymore." Yeah, when they've got a massive fucking cannon sticking think, in your face. I think the biggest thing is that <laughs> I think the biggest thing is like the logo and the symbol that was come up with for it that was big on the back of the CD cover. I remember as well, and is on the front of mm. the tank on the front cover, which is of like the Eddie skull with the. World War One helmet and two crossed guns. Mm-hmm. Like that to me looks like something you'd expect to see on a disturbed album cover. Yeah. Right. Final frontier. We're heading into the final stretch. <laughs> ha. Um I really like the production on this one. Um oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think stuff like Mother and Mercy has uh, has has it's a lovely crisp production. And I think what I noticed was um, this was the time of the loudness wars. Do you remember that concept, mm. Jack? And made that rings never- a bell. To- go on. Made in- oh, right. Okay, the loudness wars. So this was about the time when downloading started to be a fear thing. And yeah. um, bands would often, so that they could sound as good as possible on what uh, people would just torrent for free, is um, it's just like decompress everything. And like um, no compress everything. Compress everything. Yeah. Sorry. Make everything as loud as they possibly could. Yeah, and uh, and Maiden have never never really partaken in that. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, so yeah, like a lot of uh, bands of this time would 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 be as loud as possible. Um, we talked about Metallica's Death Magnetic being outrageously loud, um, but um, but yeah, like this is around the same time and. Um, you know, I, I, I just noticed it was like a just a good made in production job in a in a time when I think it is in terms of it being like you say in terms of it being kind of quite sharp sounding. And quite yeah. Big, but but I, my worst thing about it is as I said earlier is is the guitar tones and the general production making it sound pretty old fashioned compared to what they've been doing before it. Fair. Um, I think yeah. I, I with the production, I think a lot of it sounds good, but I think. There's a definite sort of a little bit of bagginess is really starting mm. to creep in at this point, um, and yeah, I think it's hit and miss for different songs actually. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think it's it, they're definitely again uh, with I think we could say this for every subsequent album, but they're definitely leaning ever more into sort of the proggy um, yeah. vibe. I would say this album came out um, when I was kind of at my lowest ebb. Maiden wise, I, I I was at university at this point. I was trying to be broadening, making an active sort of choice to broaden my musical horizons a bit, and I think I maybe left them a a little bit behind. I think and, I'd, I'd say exactly the same, actually. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I got it. I still got it when it came out and everything. And but I, and I listened to it. And I was like, eh, this hasn't really hit it for me. And it was only like a couple of years later that I went back. And um, whilst it's still not a favorite, I think it's a good album. I think it's there's a, lots of interesting stuff on it. Um, and it actually has my overall favorite Iron Maiden song on it. Really. Um, Yes, tidbit there. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So despite, yeah, uh, which is the talisman? Um, okay, which I just absolutely adore that song. Um, it's really it's good. Their, it's really good. Yeah, I, I think it's their strongest. Well, I think it's their strongest song. Um, I, I could touch that a bit more, but yeah, just sort of the overall vibe of the record never really sort of clicked with me the same as the mm. as the other other ones do, and I don't think it's just about sort of growing up a bit and moving on a bit because I think Book of Souls kind mm-hmm. of hits hits home for me in ways that this doesn't. Mm. Um but I think I think this is an album it's probably their least immediate album. Yes. I think Hooks it does take a few there. listens no. to get in. Mm. Yeah. It's well I think like something they the band all said about it like both before it coming out and since and and a lot of critics said about it is it's their most almost their most ambitious in terms of the number of ideas they're trying to get in there and yeah mm. that like you say the prog stuff and i think that is all true but they've sacrificed some of the just immediately catchy melodies and hooks for that yeah so it takes a lot more work to get the yeah, rewards yeah, yeah. from this album i think i think coming off three albums as strong as brave new world um dance of death and um uh, matter of life and death I think the word that characterises this album most for me is patchy um, I think weirdly it's quite a bottom heavy album I agree with you that the Talisman is absolutely a highlight of this record not a, it's 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 a it's quite a take it's your favourite Iron Maiden song though like it's not in uh, the top three of the album like, like, <laughs> like, like, like Arcades with, uh, with um, do you remember that one um, that Papa Roach ripped off. What was it called? Oh, um, Infinite Dreams. Yeah, it was yeah. his favorite. And like yeah. that, like for me, I wouldn't consider Talisman in the same league as something like um, "Hello, Be My Name" as Passchendaele. But fair enough, man. I I, I think my um, second favorite here is the one before it, Starblind. Um, yeah. I think that's my second favorite too. It's a is a really really good song. Um, yeah, I think. The ideas thing is interesting because um, a lot of people theorised at the time uh, this was uh, this was going to be Iron Maiden's last album. Yeah, I mean, because it's even, called the Final Frontier. And even they did an interviews. I think, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. But I think I read some interviews of them before it came out of them, sort of saying, "Oh, Steve Harris said he'd always envisioned them doing 15 albums." Right. They, they kind of at this point didn't really know if they would want to do any more afterward. And it's their last. It's their last album with EMI finishing their record deal yeah. there right I think it was a definite tease I think they were certainly being a bit playful with yeah. it um, the possibility it might be I mean um, again sort of so ideas wise like the opening well it's one track but really it's two yeah. um, so you've got Satellite 15 mm. dot 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 the final frontier and like the, the intro part of it then is this sort of Industrial metal yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, I really like it. Demo that... <laughs> I so, like, I'm listening to it like, oh my god, this is the most interesting mm. thing they've ever done. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's you know, it, Ministry and Nine Inch Nails have been there before. Yeah. But hey, this is our main yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. so, wow, more recently than that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, new and exciting. And then you've got the pub rock, of <laughs> the Final Frontier. Yeah. Which I just really, oh, 
that I was building up to. This sort of really very ham-fisted, like, I've lived my life to the full and it's all great. Like, okay, right. that's an interesting thing to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just such stodgy, fall to the floor, like, oh, I thought we'd go somewhere interesting with this. And, there, you know, there are more interesting things subsequently mm. throughout the album, but, like, mm. that, the patchiness to which you, you speak mm. about, Ollie, like, I like, um, like Brie- in that is like Brieg off the last record weird choices for singles I think Eldorado was the lead and well, Satellite 15 came so, after so it's worth saying here Eldorado won a Grammy yeah. hmm. it's my worst song on here well yeah um, fair I think I, the big intro is great and then that classic Gallop verse is kind of almost too classic for me <laughs> like, leading back to that what I was saying about it being a bit old fashioned in places um, and to me at this point Eldorado just it's the kind of song that they do that just sounds a bit like a parody of themselves yeah mm, really yeah I and I don't that. like that high pitched chorus from him it's yeah, bad yeah yeah <laughs> um, um, so actually that that leads me on to an int- uh, something I was going to ask earlier Jack um, so um this uh, tw- tw- 2010 the, the the change of the decade was a weird time for a, a heavy music mm-hmm. like the only things worth their sort that really came, were coming out in this era were Deftones Diamond Eyes and the good Bring Me The Horizon stuff what were you into it, listening to back then uh, instead of um, like more rock and metal stuff Instead oh, of Maiden, <laughs> was it like sort of more pitchforky indie stuff? Because that was really. I think I think probably so. Like I, I'd always been very cranked, hmm. and um, I think I think maybe what it was was probably probably Lauren, my my now wife, hmm. must have who I met at uni. Uh, she, I think she said something like, "Do you want to listen to men?" And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "I've gone through ah. a similar journey." Right? <laughs> You, you, you've got to be there. Um, so, yeah, I think I made a deliberate um, attempt to listen to more uh, female singers. Fair. Um, uh, otherwise known as women. Yep. Um, <laughs> 2010 specifically, I'm trying to look around. <laughs> I think I was getting quite into sleigh bells. Um, oh, nice. Um, Good band. links there. Yeah, yeah. I really love them. They're not they're not just, just Christmas themed songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, just proper into Christmas music that whole scene. Um, yeah, no, there's, 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 the sort of noise core band. There, um, there's yeah. a link to punk and metal in the, one of Slave Eyes used to be in Poison the Well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there, there was a through line there yeah. in the Krang days. Mm. Um, so I was listening to uh, certainly Sleigh Bells. I think that sort of one stuck with me. Again, sort of maybe a bit more electronic music. I liked mm. um, Purity Ring. Oh, yeah. around that time yeah. um, Sharon Van Etten as well I yeah, started really getting yeah, into her yeah, um, yeah like, I, I, like again, I said stuff like, that Pitchfork loved <laughs> yeah exactly I, I think it was then I started looking up the different music blogs and, Fair. and you know yeah. what what could uh, open those kind of doors so mm. yeah uh, I think sort of in terms of heavier music I, I really liked Baroness mm. um, whom I it was probably a little bit later than around that time, but um, obviously they were active around then. Ma- Mastodon were pretty um, uh, popular around this time. Yeah. This is about I crap, liked Mastodon. Crap, yeah, Sky and was... Hunter era. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I really liked, uh, was that Blood Mountain? Blood Mountain was way yeah, earlier than this. Yeah. That was like oh, was um, 07. Yeah. Oh okay. Um, um, 
but anyway, sorry, yeah, to sidetrack. Um, but n- nice of a listener to know you like music other than I made it. It's important to establish sometimes when we're, as we're moving into uh, the latter days. Um, yeah, my, my we were talking about Starblind, weren't we? My favourite here. Uh, and El Dorado, yeah. Oh, and El Dorado <laughs> being your least favourite. Um, my favourite here is actually, even though it's just Bruce um, being a plain nonce, is uh, coming home. <laughs> it's my number two. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. There's at least one on every year. <laughs> I just, it's got a great groove. It does, it, yeah. It's really cheesy, but it's great. Um, and a, good right, little, like, a good little chorus. And that. yeah, just literally. But, but I put as well, like, yes, it is <laughs> being a plain nonce. But... <laughs> It's great because actually it's one of his best vocal performances because you can tell he's singing about something that means something to him. Yeah, I think you know, it's so noticeable. Yeah, uh, I think definitely on Book of Souls and, <laughs> as well. Yeah, um, I didn't really go into why I like Talisman. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, go for it, man. Sort of Flying my flag for it. Um, I, I think it's kind of them. Everyone in the band's are operating at their peak. Mm. I think the vocal performance from Bruce is just absolutely incredible, um, and it's really worth listening to the live version as well because he. Um, yeah, he, he maybe even sounds better on the on the live record. It's really interesting watching it. Um, normally, when you're watching a main performance, Bruce is herring around the stage mm. all over the place, and you know, getting the crowd involved and running over here, standing on a camera, climbing up the scenery, all the rest of it. On on the talisman, he just is rooted to the spot with his mic stand because it's. I think it's taking mm. every every sinew of effort to to sing it because it, it is a, a challenging. Um, Particularly the chorus, which is I see, one it's one of the ones that I've made a note of not being that keen on the vocal, and I can't imagine it there. But I'm guessing mm. it's one of the slightly higher range ones that he has to, like you say, really put the effort yeah, to get it. Certainly in the chorus, the mm. higher ranges it kicks in. Um, I think lyrically as well, it's it's so it's about a transatlantic crossing. Sort of, it never really specifies when, um, yeah. but I think we're looking at sort of you know pilgrims from yeah. the UK to. <laughs> America, mm. um, but again, I kind of like that it's unspecific about that. But they're so evocative of just again, just what an absolutely torrid time these uh, these refugees are having, getting mm-hmm. from one land to another. Um, it does the slightly hoary old thing of the the narrator of the song is dead by the end of it and never actually well glimpses the um, the promised land that they're driving to, but never never actually gets to enjoy that. And I think Harris. I'm going to talk a lot about this in Sanjitsu, but he really, you can tell he's actually put some effort into his lyrics. And I think mm. he's an absolutely fine lyricist. Um, sorry, fine. I mean that in the sort of an excellent lyricist <laughs> when he when he wants to be, when he's actually trying. Yeah. Um, and again, I think the, the riffs on it are just really good pumping. There is that, that bit where it um, kicks in with that proper clattering gallop. Uh, yeah. That is really great. I used to I used to have this on a running um, playlist that I had when I back when I had time to go running and there's sort of three minutes in the intro of sort of acoustic folky stuff mm. and then yeah when that kicks in it is one of the fastest songs they've yeah. done in, in certainly recent years and um, yeah it is just energizing I really love the breakdown as well it doesn't have a sort of proper soloy soloy section it's sort of more mm. sort of spidery riff based than a proper solo there's a lot of sort of keening sort of high notes and bends and things but not a true solo and that's sort of evocative of Yannick Gerz's approach he's a, he's a little bit more offbeat in his um, approach to guitar than mm. than Adrian Smith or Dave Murray and, and, and I love him for it and I, I think it's a really good and sort of the way the bass and the drums interlock 
in that section. Uh, I just think it's fabulous stuff. And yeah, I just think it, it's just, it really makes me annoyed. <laughs> that, that it's, it's tracks like this that uh, I absolutely love and everyone is putting their heart and soul into it that they ha- then they have some more lackluster stuff and it's just like, why? You are yeah. capable of so much more. <laughs> you are letting yourselves down. Um, so yeah, I just think it's it's just them at 100% across the board for me. Um, Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I love it. That's cool, man. Um, awesome. No, uh, like, might... no, sorry, go ahead. Go um, ahead. I think an, an underrated... Um, I think Steve Harris in this era has got a lot better I think it, like I was getting sick of him in um, the, 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 um, near the sick end. of his shit <laughs> yeah near, near, near the end of Bruce and during the Blaze era mm. I hated Steve Harris I wanted him um, yeah in the bin but um, uh, an underrated Steve Harris track present here for me is my number three When the Wild Wind Blows my number one mm. it's lovely um, isn't it it's really good yeah um, and again, based on based on the Raymond Briggs graphic novel of the same name. Yeah, about nuclear um, desolation. The old, the old yeah. couple who build an, a, a bunker at the fear of nuclear war. Um, but again, it's one of those cases of them actually getting, like I said, with some of the Brave New World stuff, properly getting some emotional depth mm. into something that is still theatrical and yeah. sort of hyper melodic and and very much Iron Maiden, without it feeling silly or you know. Apparently, um, around the era. Um, uh, Dave uh, Murray um, promised more instrumental complexity, mm. and um, that's very much present mm. in um, each, well, each section. Gets like more dramatic. Yeah, more yeah, yeah. Something that is quite—I couldn't stop hearing once I heard it—is the intro. It's a really beautiful melody, but there's something about it that's very similar to "Colors of the Wind" from Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't say that as a negative. That's a great it's, song. It's, but, <laughs> it's the pan pipes, isn't it? Tune. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, it's um, it's I like I like that you know it's a fairly slightly esoteric kind of source material, mm. and I think that sort of it speaks to their niche. I think yes. like it, it it is kind of um, I don't know. It feels very British as well, yeah. but also it's got that portents of doom and things. Um, and yeah, the the film. Well, I've, I've seen the film. The animation, of, uh, yeah, when yeah. The wind, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, it's it's. I mean, again, like with Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, nuclear destruction oh. is something I, I I don't know. I find interesting. Yeah. So it's nice that they've returned to that world. Um, it's the uh, second Raymond Briggs connection that I can think of for the band. What was um, that? Well, so uh, back on the Somewhere in Time tour, they used to do guitar solo sections, and they did a a piece that was titled Walking on Glass uh, which is the theme from the snowman amazing and then lots of guitar solos and I, I think oh, it's so right. weird walking in the I air. don't know why they're playing walking in the air mm. and then it's taken from that it's right. uh, uh, it's a bizarre thing I mean it sounds nice but again, <laughs> yeah. it's such a random touch point for them um, um, I, I, the, my number three mm we haven't talked about is is just because it hints at I think it's quite interesting that the theming like the artwork and the sort of general theming that they gave to this album being very futuristic sci-fi, and sci-fi yeah. but a lot of the songs are more historical than they've been for yeah, a long time yeah. like El Dorado uh, in itself but then you've got um, Isle of Avalon Isle of Avalon and then Alchemist is my number three mm. which mm. is um, 
I mean, my main thing about that is it's just a nice pacey headbanger. Mm. Gimme, gimme. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like, it's it, it's about John D, uh, the British mathematician and, and occultist from the 16th century, mm -hmm. advisor to Queen Elizabeth the First, who coined the term the British Empire, mm -hmm. uh, and was responsible for a lot of that kind of stuff. But also, um, was an occultist. Right. Thought he could talk to angels and <laughs> all this kind of thing. Nice. Um, that was the story that was a really cool story along with a con man Edward Kelly who claimed to have an occult abilities and speak with spirits he, Kelly persuaded Dee to share his wife telling him that the ethereal spirits had told him so <laughs> this eventually <laughs> ended their friendship <laughs> when he returned <laughs> when he returned from one of his travels he found his house vandalised and his great library in ruins which resulted in him living and dying in poverty and the whole song is about his story which I thought was really cool um, yeah uh, that that story will come up a bit later in our top five, actually. Excellent. Uh, but, Fantastic. But yeah, I quite like that as an album that on the face of it is a very sci-fi kind of... Th there's actually a lot of going back to that more historical mm. stuff. Mm. Um, my least favourite, though, <laughs> is the uh, title track. Um, it's repeating Fair the song's enough. title over and over again. The final frontier... Uh, I quite like it. I quite like the intro. Fair. And, and the, that track. I think I've had my fill of Maiden Long Songs at this point <laughs> and I'm about to get two albums more worth of it. Well, that's the other thing I've said. At 76 minutes, 34 seconds, Oof. it's the band's third longest studio album to date, only being bettered by the two to come. So strap in <laughs> for a bumpy ride, lads. <laughs> Anything more to say before said bumpy ride, Jack? Um, no, just I, again... A bit more love for Starblind. I think that's mm. again a really underrated track. In yes. That did stand out in my my last listen through to this actually. Yeah, as one I yeah. kind of missed. Yeah, really good. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything I've written down to uh, to mention. But yeah, super. Definitely, definitely one I've got more appreciation for now than I did before doing this. Yeah, I had dismissed cool. it wholly. Before that's this. good. That's good, man. <clears throat> cool. So when we go to the Book of Souls. Featuring Iron Maiden's longest song, isn't it? Emperor of the Clouds. Oh, yeah. yeah. 18 yeah. minutes. Oh. And it's my number one. Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking it's, it's, love it's it. It's either one or two for me um, as well. Good. I love it as well. Mm. <laughs> it is ridiculously long, but it is an absolute masterpiece. It's brilliant. I love it so I, much. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I again, you mentioned just about Bruce giving a better performance when it's just something he clearly cares yeah. about. <laughs> your man's done his homework on this. <laughs> I read something on the Genius Lyrics website I was like, about the fact that the source material book there's like a book of a guide to the whole incident that is six hundred pages long, and someone's put, "Did he literally try and fit every page into this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the lines are direct quotes from reported speech from the crew. It's like I assume, like I, I assumed some of that, you know, creative license. No, that's that's yeah. recorded in those uh, accident reports and things. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a masterpiece. I think I think that song is indicative of the problem with these latter latter longer albums mm. is that. <clears throat> that's an 18 minute song and in my opinion I, I think that's got 18 minutes worth of ideas I think yes. it, it, it's, it justifies its length I think my 
third least favourite song on this is The Red and the Black which is a 13 minute song with yeah. about 5 minutes of ideas in it yeah. and uh, okay tops. fair enough I've got it as my it'd probably be my like my number 4 but but I agree with I haven't considered what you're saying there which I agree with that actually mm. the things that I really like about it could be done in much less time mm. yeah you're I, right. I think it's long for the sake of being long I felt uh, like it was trying to it. recapture those like Brave New World style yeah. picks yeah uh, yeah yeah so it's definitely I mean I think and again I think that speaks to my opinion of the album as a whole mm. um, it's got maybe five or six tracks on here that I think are up there with some of the best material they've ever done mm-hmm. right. and then the rest of it is either actively bad or just filler and yeah I've said it, exactly again, the that, same yeah that lack of discipline, that not throwing out, that not killing your darling stuff. Like, <laughs> this could have been an incredible 45, 50 minute album. Yep. It could okay. have been way up there with their 80s stuff. Mm. As it is, it's a fairly, I like it. I, I mean, and, it, you know, the love I have for the great songs on it carries it through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a, it's a mid table Iron Maiden album when it could have been Champions League. I think it is, <laughs> high, I think it is higher up for me, but that's because I choose to ignore the. Bits I don't like, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Like my, my, this, I've said the same thing as my worst thing about it is that it, not necessarily the fact that it is as long as it is because you could have an album that long being worth it, but for an album that is this long, there's no excuse for any chaff. Like, mm. and I mean, for example, for me, my worst two were Speed of Light and Death or Glory, which were both Ooh. written deliberately to try and recapture the late '80s sound. Like, you did that then. You don't need to do that now. It sounds like a parody again. There's no room for that on an album like this. Le- do, fine, record it. It's enjoyable. Record it, release it as a something separate. Don't put it on here when you've already See, overgone your runtime. Hmm. See, this is where we can't have a consensus because those are the two of my preferred yeah. songs on there. Speed Speed of Light. I really hate it. From when it came out, I remember that coming out as a single and just being like, oh, God. What are they doing? I think after the after the um, long opener, which is a title repeater, which is my third favorite, Bruce Bruce's vocal sounds janky in that one man, and the demon the demon voice is horrible. Oh, the bit at the end. Well, I mean, interestingly, he, that was originally meant to be a solo project song, right? For him, mm, okay. Which that bit at the end was left over from that, and for what the, the concept was going to be from that. And Steve Harris said, "No, it's cool, leave it on there." But Speed of Light comes roaring in with cowbell, and yeah. I'm like. This freshens it up completely. It's 2015, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, I don't know where I get off on this because I complained about an interesting intro followed by a pretty standard song in the previous album, but I really love the sort of high concept, nerdy, uh, if eternity should fail. I love that. But then the sort of back to basics um, speed of light. I just love the contrast between the two and the cowbell. It's just, I, I think it's fun and it's fast. And mm. the lyrics are nonsense, but there's quite a lot of quite funny space jokes in there. Yeah. Right. Like there's quite some funny spacey sci-fi wordplay and stuff. Bruce Dickens, like, I'm not particular. And then he talks about particles. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. There's a few little nuggets in there. I, I have I said it's great fun. fun. I just I just wish it had been left off the album. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, men don't do non-album tracks, no. or very rarely. And but yeah, I can I can see how that might have been better suited on that it, it doesn't really you know it's, it's again it's not a concept album as such but it doesn't really add to the, the overall vibe um, 
Death, or, yeah, De- Death or Glory stood out to me because, uh, and I thought it'd write to you too because I feel it's the um, spiritual successor to Aces High, and it deliberately is so, right? Yeah. Um, but that's my kind of my point, right? Um, and I, I prefer it. I do prefer Death or Glory to be to be the right. Um, mm. Again, I think it's a good song. Just, just this is what we've, the albums that we've talked about, like my top two albums being Brave New World and A Matter of Life and Death. Like Jack said, they're the ones where there's a clear they're consistent there's a clear aim for what they're doing with that album they've stuck to it and this again for something that's so long there's don't throw novelty songs in there <laughs> don't need to do it I, I, I love Death of Glory I, I just just the guitar riffs just really hit home for me um, I, I mean like a lot of Adrian Smith riffs mm. are sort of just based around sort of the E power chord and sort of um, yeah, there's sort of variations around that, and it, it just works for me. And I just really love Bruce's performance um, in the verse in the bridge. I think the chorus is absolutely nothing to write home about, mm-hmm. but the um, I just love the verses. They mm-hmm. just really I don't know what it is about them, but they just nail it for me. Um, there's a very again, it's a little bit of a history lesson, uh, as <laughs> many tracks are on the Red Baron. <laughs> um, it's got this really awkward line about um, climb like a monkey, right? Which, just you wouldn't include that but apparently it's based on something that he wrote or said so it's sort of in there and i I don't know there's just something so endearing to me about that that i (laughs) i excuse it that i would probably think was god awful from any other band but um i i do like that song a lot um um so yeah if eternity should fail as you mentioned it's supposed to be a bruce Mm. uh solo track uh, Apparently, still will be maybe okay. this or next. No, not this year. We're running out of time on this year. But yeah, I think it, I think he plans to put it out next year. Is so oh, um, right. And I imagine it will still be on it, hmm. um, and probably with some context for the yeah. know, weird Doctor Necropolis stuff at the end. But, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think that's a, a, an all timer for me. Certainly, an opening track. Mm, so really, I, I really love it. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Little, little factoid about it that I um, I read uh, found it interesting. Um, band's first career use of drop D tuning. Yes, as, mm, as, as all yeah. together. Yeah, mm. um, I think over, it's worth saying as well. This is their first officially double album, mm-hmm. um, and to me, the first half is a, overall is much better than the second. So Even the, though um, Empire of the Clouds is on the second, yeah, so, and so, uh, well, um, <clears> I've <throat> actually got as my third another late on track, um, Tears of a Clown. Which is yeah, is, which I really is, enjoyed. I'm I prefer the idea of further Smokey Robinson version. The fact that it's a song about <laughs> Robin Williams, yeah, is amazing. Yeah, um, and I think the best bit again is probably the solos to me. Otherwise, I I, I find it a bit. I uh, I hate that song. Right, um, it's it's my least favorite song on the album, and one of my least favorite altogether. Right, I, I really wish they hadn't come out and said it's about Robin Williams. Mm. So it's it's about depression and yeah i i just think you can't sing about it's a bit clumsy it's really clumsy yeah. it's such surface yeah. level understanding of mental health and like yeah. suggesting maybe it's all just for the best like if i was in Robin's <laughs> family and yeah. i heard that like i'd be like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> i think it's so ham-fisted in its treatment of like depression and i think i think steve harris is is he has been affected by depression himself as well in the past mm. but I I just really I mean, don't think we, it gives we, you license we heard the X Factor yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, no I, I I think musically it's nothing to write home about um, yeah. but yeah I just I, I I just struggle with that song actually fair um, probably, probably another instance of me not, not listening closely enough mm. 
Um, mm. Yeah, but you make some very valid points. I, a lot of people love it. Um, don't get me wrong; it, it might be more my issue than anything else. Sure. But, um, yeah. And my number two is 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 the title track, the Close, closure of disc one. Mm. Um, yeah. Again, the other sort of really the other obvious big epic here, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's great. That Which, big slow stompy riff in the verses is amazing. Ben- stompy riff is exactly what I've yeah, written there. So yeah. I love it. Benefits from being so. Um, we said Red and the Black is thirteen, Emperor and the Clouds is eighteen. Book of mm. the Souls is uh, Book of Souls is only nine. Yeah, and therefore retains my interest far more than than those other two do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Only um, yeah, nine. I, I <laughs> it's probably top. I think, I think it's probably my third favourite track. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the main riff mm-hmm. is, again, it's Yannick Gers. I, I think it really, I find it really evocative. It's it's proper headbanging stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first half of the track, or two thirds of it, is, is sort of that mid-paced thing, but I like it. Um, I think it's good. I, I think it's another fantastic performance from Dickinson. I think he mm-hmm. really goes to town. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I, I just absolutely love uh, the, the end section when yeah. it goes... Fast. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Nico's absolutely on fire. Like those yeah, cymbal yeah. bell bits he's getting in there. Are yeah, like incredible. yeah. Oh yeah, love that. And again, the the, the sort of the bridgey bits in that. Uh-huh. Again, the lyrics are. I think in any other <laughs> one's hands, they could be really laughable, but they just the conviction with which mm. they're sung and the melodies that they that they're formed around. I just, I just. Yeah, I don't know. I find it quite transcendent. Trans- trans- can't speak transcendental a little bit. I just so did, think it's did you um, did you see them on this tour? Because I could imagine that being an absolute barnstorm of life. I did see them on this tour. I loved it. Mm. I think it suffered a bit from this is the new material, so not a high enough percentage of the crowd are right mm. into it. For it. Yeah, and how? I mean, um, I suppose it's worth saying as well. So the tour would have been obviously after Bruce had. Because they released it just after he'd gone through his cancer treatment, is that right? So yeah, I mean, so it didn't affect the recording, but but it meant they delayed the release and touring. And so yeah, the time so they record, written, record the album, and it's worth mentioning that all these um, performances from Bruce that we're speaking about, he had a a tumor the size of a golf ball on his the back of his tongue or something. Yeah, Um, uh, Apparently he could tell something was up, probably because you know they were recording and singing so much. Yeah. Um, he they found the the lump. Um, uh, yeah, they went. He went to the hospital doctor, whatever. Um, the next day, basically after the recording had finished, and then yeah, it was delayed by about a year for him to be treated. And yeah, it is incredible actually that um, specifically where the cancer was. That yeah, he's been able to continue thereafter. Um, yeah, minor miracle really. Yes, and I think again. So with that delay for his cancer treatment, and then on the next album cycle with the um, obviously the pandemic and mm. things like, I think it really kind of put a bit of a spanner in the works to, to Iron Maiden's again fairly um, regular sort of yeah. new album nostalgia tour. This is um, I hadn't realised and hadn't considered even just the, the the regularity with which they release stuff. Like I think when you're younger, it seems like a longer amount of time. But the fact that this was the longest gap of five years was the longest gap at this point that they'd ever had between two albums. I think yeah. it's pretty incredible yeah. for a band that had been going that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, and the only reason was because of illness, and then the only reason of the longer gap from then till St. Jitsu was because of the pandemic. The like, pandemic, yeah. It's mm. pretty incredible for, yeah. for people who are now all either either 60 or approaching it. Or no, hang on, no, they now are... Pensions? 
brain is just turned 70. Yeah, and, and the, the others like in their late 60s, yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, Jack, what were you other... It sounds like we overall agree on um, what uh, what we um, sort of attached our to uh, ourselves to here. Um, what uh, any other highlights here we haven't talked about yet? Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about Emperor of the Clouds. Mm. Um, I, again, I just I think again it's a suite of movements. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's uh, composed entirely by Bruce Dickinson yeah I think um, this was amazing reading I didn't know about this until reading up on it yesterday yeah sort of composed on a piano again which is a oh, wow. pretty unusual for me mm. they, they yeah. had um, you know keyboard as backing in their songs before but not like the piano as a lead instrument mm. um, or a lead part really on that um, and again again uh, the music very specifically um, is evocative of the lyrics yeah. and that's sort of no more prominent in um, there's a part of the song which is, uh, you know, instrumental stabs. In the actual three crash, verse. right? Isn't it? Is that bit? Isn't it? Well, um, or is it it's doing an SOS, an SOS Morse uh, code message that bit. in the uh, okay, yeah, I didn't yeah, which well, no, I didn't notice that at first either. I, I sort of learnt that yeah, after yeah. the fact, but again, I think that just adds those levels to it. And I, I, it's, I, I again, I think it really manages to capture a few things. So it, it's about. This this song is set in the 1930s, and it's, so it's it's British Empire stuff. But it is about the empire of the clouds, and the clouds being this fleeting thing that is doomed to mm. melt away. Mm. Um, which I think is quite an interesting. And again, it's sort of balancing that dynamic of being maybe a bit gammon, but actually <laughs> sort of having a bit of a perspective around it, yeah. which I really love. And again, a lot of Dickinson's sort of songs about aviation, which is this is yet another of them. They talk about the groundwork that this these people did that led to further technological pursuits and things. And I just really love the penultimate verse. <laughs> I used to sing this to my son a little bit when I was putting him to sleep, <laughs> but um, I really love the line, um, here lie their dreams while I stand in the sun on the ground where they built and the engines did run to the moon and the stars. Now, what have we done? The dreamers may die, but the dreams live on. I really love dreamers may die, but the dreams live on. Not to get too sentimental or anything but I, I just think there's a lot of I think that's really powerful mm. um, I find that really moving and I think yeah it, it, it's pretty hammy in places but again I think it's earned and uh, again it's just incredible that they're sort of not just retreading I mean yes we've talked about uh, Death of Glory being a bit of an Aces High re- retread mm. or whatever but like they're still alongside that they're trying to be bold oh yeah oh this is it in new directions this is my um, highlight of the of the whole album is is that they are still being ridiculously ambitious when they could mm. absolutely get away with not doing that um, yeah at this point um the yeah the, th- the whole thing about empire of the clouds and the piano led aspects of it that i didn't realize which makes it even more incredible to me is that he was basically writing it while they were in the studio recording everything else hmm. whenever he wasn't doing his bits he'd be kind of in the separate yeah, room with the piano right. trying to write mm-hmm. it and the way they recorded it in the end is he recorded the entire thing on piano, mm-hmm. just just the piano track, yeah, yeah. and they just built everything else up around mm. that, which I think is a really, just a really interesting, cool way of, of doing something that clearly they hadn't done before. Mm. Yeah. I mean, lovely story about you reading that verse to your son and everything, but talking about <laughs> sending, sending, sending people to sleep, Sinjutsu. <laughs> 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 Oh man, it's don't let's not laugh. I'm sad about this. <laughs> I really am. I was so excited for it. 
Were yeah. you? Yeah, I really was because I really liked Book of Souls. Fair. I bought, I bought Book of Souls oh, when no, it came right. out. No, you're right. A lot of people were. I bought Book of Souls when it came out. I had the like proper like there was the big book version of the CD they released. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I played it in the car all the time. Car all the time. It's been seven years, six years, six years up until Senjutsu coming out. I was like, here we go. Last year, when it was the first year that I was just sent to Jack off off recording, um, just now that Ollie, you know already about how much I've been trying to listen to new music as it comes out and. Mm. I had that date in my releases calendar for the new Maiden album for, for months and it came round and I played it and it went on for an hour and a half, Yeah, got to the end and I didn't have anything I'd latched onto. No. It's, yeah, it, that was pretty much pretty similar. I, like, as I say, like, I thought Book of Souls was a, a step up from yeah. Final Frontier, certainly in like how immediately it clicked with me. Mm. And I, yeah, I was like, wow, they're, they're doing it. They're kicking ass. They're, they're doing, this is great. And they've got a new one in the works and I am looking forward to it. Yeah. And it just, yeah, I just never, it just fell so flat. And my immediate disappointment eventually, this is the album that I'm most angry about. <laughs> like, yeah. I hate Virtual, I no, I don't hate. I don't like Virtual Eleven and I don't, and I think No Prep for Dying is a load of cobblers, but like this actually makes me annoyed because they have been capable of doing so much better. I but, think but, the but, thing is it is it that annoying or surprise as a virtual outsider mm. here, is it that annoying or surprising that pensioners make music like this? Well, this is what I was about to say is the reason I don't get angry about it is that actually I feel like, yeah, it's the first one where they're showing their age. And yeah. like you say, Nico is seventy. Yeah. Yeah. Like but it's one of they're one of those bands and I mean this is this is something that's come up for me this week with the, the, the passing of Christine McVie. Mm. There are certain bands that in my head just and I think in a lot of, for a lot of people have either been around so long or have got to a peak of popularity and commercial success where they almost seem immortal mm. um, and ageless yeah. and Iron Maiden are one of those and yeah. have been for a long time and with this one I think was the first time where I started to get a sense actually of their age and be like okay maybe they're just playing what they can play at this point Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that might not be true you know like, but uh, uh, Bruce Bruce recorded this at 63 having survived throat cancer mm. like no wonder he sounds the way he does on here it's impressive that he can even do it mm -hmm. in the first instance but um, yeah oh now I'm sad about Chris McPhee sorry uh, no it's fine <laughs> um, sorry I, I dropped out there um, oh right okay am I back yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're fine no worries can I can I come in on, on the subject to sort of again sort of maybe them feeling their age a bit I think yep what really, really made me cross about it was it, it just feels lazy. It mm. feels... Um, so again, the story apparently with this is that the whole thing was written and recorded pre-pandemic and it was in the can and ready to go. Yeah, uh, They were doing a Legacy of the Beast tour and it was ready to go for the release after that was concluded. And then, the, the, yeah, the, everything shut down, obviously, and they just sat on it for mm. like over a year and they didn't do anything with the album. And I just think if you're a musician and you've got a record in the can that you're postponing the release of, do you not go back and play Have a with listen. it and improve yeah. it? And, yeah. And, but they didn't even listen to it, apparently. Like, really? They re-listened to it for the first time prior to the to release. And, they, I mean, they said they were still happy with it. Um, but it just strikes me as, like, that's not someone that's sort of perfecting their craft. You feel like this is a point where they're just kind of clocking it in a bit. 
Absolutely. Mm. Like everything feels like a demo. Like they feel like ideas that I think finished. I hadn't thought that, but yeah, you're pretty right there actually. Mm. I think as well, like I mentioned about discipline and recording live in the studio, it feels like so much of this is just jams, yeah. they're not songs. Yeah. Um and as well this is sort of indicative in like like even the release of the like the album artwork and the you know the mm. the promotional material. There's one promotional photo of the band for the release of this album. Like like you know you look at Dance of Death and you've got in the booklet you've got them all yeah, yeah. You know, photography of each individual member. None of that's there. Like it's so phoned in, um, in my opinion. Like it just I just yeah it just really makes me quite cross. And <laughs> my other issues around it. It's so the, the the length of the album is 81 minutes and 53 seconds. Mm. I've looked this up. A CD can contain 80 minutes of mm-hmm. material. And the fact that they didn't just shave off, you know, 2 minutes to make it a single album. Like yeah. there's like at least 2 minutes of seagulls on bloody darkest <laughs> hour. Like, <laughs> my worst song, by the way. Oh yes, by distance. Um I, I I feel maybe I'm being cynical, but I feel like what if they release a double album? Can they justify charging a bit more for it? Uh, is that the, 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 I, I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, especially I, with uh, the, the thing that makes me think that more and more about albums at the moment is with the um, revival of vinyl. Um, yeah, a a yeah. double album on vinyl means it's going to get you a good twenty quid per unit more than mm. a single album. Mm. I really think that's part of it, yeah. and I hate that. That I think that's the case. Yeah. And like, yeah, and lyrically. So again, I was watching that documentary about Brave, uh, not Brave New World, A Matter of Life and Death. It was talking about Steve and Bruce's approach to lyric writing, and mm. Steve's all about the melody, and Bruce is all about the lyrics. And he doesn't, you know, if the lyrics he wants to say don't fit to the melody. That's the priority for him, and vice versa for Steve. And like clearly, like so many of the songs' lyrics, like Sinjitsu, Stratego, and um, Hell on Earth, the lyrics look like they've been put through Google Translate like four <laughs> times. Like they just don't make sense. Well, and, and like titles like Stratego being uh, yeah, like they've written by Alan Partridge. <laughs> yeah, Stratego. And, like, <laughs> and is Bruce just not like pushing back on this? Like I, I sense that like, like that's probably the approach that Steve Harris has had previously, but mm. like was Bruce Dickinson not saying, no, I, I need to sing something that makes a little bit more sense than this. Um, and the final thing I'll say on my little rant that I'm doing right now, yeah. is just, just it, it, like, I guess this laziness, I think it extends to the, and I guess it's speculation on my part, but I think the title track, so Senjutsu, um, and the album artwork is, so the album artwork is Eddie is a Samurai, so yeah. Japanese. Warrior yeah, it is, like say, it is lazy, yeah. But, the song Sinjitsu itself keeps referring to a big wall that they have to defend yeah. and I'm thinking are they singing about ancient China, China. yeah is mm-hmm. this are they sort of conflating Chinese and mm-hmm. Japanese warriors is this what we're doing or is it just a generic wall in Japan yeah. that and I think he has specifically said that but I don't believe him yeah so yeah I'll stop complaining now no I mean, <laughs> I mean it's worth saying on that subject when you've been when you've been such a passionate passionate fan of Iron Maiden as you have been throughout this podcast if an album's pissed you off you have absolutely every right to be pissed off in the other direction and you have some very valid points if if a band I loved as much as you love Iron Maiden did this put out this half-assed piece of shit (laughs) then I'd be as mad as you are yeah and what what I don't understand though is this a lot of people seemed or at least <coughs> publicly said mm. that they loved this album why like critically it did pretty well yeah um, well, the generic yeah. metal hammer 8 out of 10 yeah 
I was yeah. looking at the and um, made the quite a lot of end of year lists it. and things. Loads. The the accolades and critical sort of praise on the Wikipedia page for this is really long. Yeah. They've got yeah. so many end of year lists and awards. And is it. that just because at this point it's an Iron Maiden album? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the other albums that precede this, I think, are all better than it. Yeah. They don't seem to have that same no. recognition. So I don't know. It, it bamboozles me a bit. Like, um, well, this is just what happens in the, in a rock press with um, these old heavyweights. Like, um, Black Sabbath 13 was mm. crap, awful. Yeah. Came third in Metal Hammer's album of the yeah. year list. Yeah. Just because it's them. Just because it's yeah. Black Sabbath. Like, and, this, and um, like, yeah, Metallica's out, newest effort will always get in, even though they've been crap since the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that opener Sanjutsu I think is a crap opener as well. Like, not that there's any on here that would be a great opener, but no. um, it, for, for some, it's it's yeah, slow, dense. It's kind of not what you choose as an opening track, particularly. Yeah. The whole album is so mid-paced, yeah. and I wonder again, is that a deliberate choice so they don't tie themselves yeah. out when they're performing live? <laughs> I've got stra- however you say it, stra- Stratego, Stratego, yep. Stratego. Uh, that's my number three in the end because it is one of the ones that's got a bit more pace to it. Yeah, same. Um, uh, likewise, it's my number one <clears throat> um, purely because it's the only one I, I thought, oh, there's a little bit of something here. That here, horse here. is getting tired, though. Yeah. Uh, the galloping horse, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my number two is actually uh, the closer, Hell on Earth. I think so. There's uh, been rumours that this is gonna, uh, again that this is going to be Iron Maiden's final album. Okay, and if it was to be, um, Hell on Earth is an okay swan song. I yeah, like it. It combines lots of different elements yeah. people have loved f- about Maiden throughout the years. This is it. I think it's. I, I like it as a closer more than I do as a song if that makes sense mm. um, yeah I, I think, think it works um, as a closer really well it's got some very catchy hooks in it mm. I can, can say that much I can't put my finger on it it re- reminds me of some Christmas song I can't think <laughs> okay. of it, but, but uh, I got that sense I then lyrically again I struggle with it mm-hmm. um, it, it talks about um in the opening verse, child soldiers, which yeah. is obviously a bad thing. But I'm, I, I, some of the interviews that, well, Bruce Dickinson has mentioned about it, I, I think it might be a bit gammon as well. A right. lot I of don't it know. is. A lot of this one is. Yeah. I mean, he's done a lot of interviews in the last, I mean, we, we think about Book of Souls of 2015. We've had Brexit mm. since then, and we know yeah. what side of that discussion yeah. he's on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I, again, I can't help but compare it to Empire of the Clouds. Mm-hmm. And like, again, mm-hmm. that final stanza that I've, I, I read out and sort of the the final bit in this the love in anger um, life in danger I just feel like that doesn't mean anything (laughs) (laughs) in comparison to sort of the complexity with which a blooming airship I think it's also it's mm. also interesting that the last three tracks are all over ten minutes long and are all solely written by Steve Harris right I think that was a I can't let Bruce Dickinson have a 18 minute closing track. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you go there. I mean, I one uh, one positive thing I'll say about that, I, I do like, and I like this stuff in albums. Mm. Um, the there is a verse in Hell on Earth that sort of inverts a verse from Sinjitsu yeah. and sort of changes the lyrics around the other way, which I do. I like that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. fun, and that's a nice touch. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I've I don't used, like as well. I've um, used a phrase in the parchment which um, I think summarises the album as a whole, actually, mm. which is, ah, more ploddy twang twang. Yeah, ploddy mm. twang twang. Excellent. <laughs> um, to be honest, I put, I put Strategy Go as a song I 
again, musically, I think is pretty fine. Mm. I quite like that. I, I, future, Days of Future Past, again, because it's short and doesn't wear its welcome out. And then the parchment, I think, is okay. Yeah. I, I think that's got more ideas than either of the other two um, ten-minute closers. Yeah, I think I think the parchment is sort of light relief after the awful Death of the Celts, which is my worst. Oh, God, yeah. I feel like the lyrics on the parchment, again, they actually suggest that something has been thought about, and it's about mm. some... I don't know what, but I feel like a, sort of a bit of research has done, rather than a sort of stream of consciousness... Old man rants at clouds. <laughs> I've got the solo section again in the time machine as a, as a highlight moment in another one. Ta- ta- time machine's okay. Like it feels like one of the few here that's actually played with a lot, like a little bit of a sense of humour. Maybe yeah. Look I at just my find, time machine. I, I find it dull and cheesy at the same yeah. time, which is quite a mm. difficult thing to achieve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think there's some interesting time signatures and changes yeah it doesn't really do anything else for me um my, my favorite is actually the obvious single which is the writing on the wall yeah that's my second here. i think it's, it's the one that sticks really yeah. of all of them um i can see why they chose it as a single it's catchy like, it's a bit different i'll give yeah. it that um, that's so almost like... southern rock country blues yeah. with well, celtic a... melodies as well like it's i got a bit of a zeppelin cosplay thing yes from yeah. It, yeah 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 and the solo, um, Adrian Smith's solo on it is, is lush. I will, I will definitely give it yeah. that. But, um, yeah. it, it's fine. And the, cool, the animated video for it is really cool, actually. There's some Just interesting aside. bits in that, yeah. Little Easter eggs and things. <laughs> I mean, we haven't really gone into why The Darkest Hour is our worst. I mean, it is utterly dull and boring. But yeah. also, I mean, yeah, I'll read Dickinson's interview quote here. Have you read this? No, but can I just say... Um... Is it about Churchill, Darkest yeah. Hour? Yeah, I thought it might be because there's the movie about called yeah. Darkest Hour, but just depresses me because there's a way better metalcore band called the same thing. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, so he said about it, uh, a lot of people criticised Churchill because he made a lot of mistakes. Oh, he did go. things people didn't approve of, like massacring yeah. hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, he was almost certainly a full-blown alcoholic but a functioning one he said horrible things about women and he did all these things that would be aptly be condemned for but the people the bit that people forgive him all that for certainly I do is he stood up to the Nazis and said no these are barbarians even though the odds are stacked against us we as a nation are going to resist half of his cabinet and government would have sided with the Nazis and done a deal but he inspired the nation to do the right thing I mean a lot of people would agree with that Mm. and get that but to dismiss, <laughs> to dismiss r- racist <laughs> massacre and misogyny. misogyny as ah, forgive it. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sit well just, with me. I think it's like intellectually dishonest to admit that this is a complex subject and then just write about the the positive yes, side. Yes, exactly. Like, exactly. If you're going to write, you know, a turgid power ballad that's a hagiography of Churchill like you know maybe add a bit of complexity yeah yeah that's it I hate that song sorry no fair (sighs) problematic and boring (laughs) (laughs) at least be interesting (laughs) what a a power couple that is Jesus at least make me tap my foot while you're saying something I fundamentally disagree with come on (laughs) (laughs) so Jack that brings me on to sort of the closing point would you be interested in like if I made an uh, announce uh, another album at this stage? Um, yeah, no, they're definitely. You know, I, I'm far I mean, too bored to it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I. To be honest, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see what they will do mm. if they do do another. 
I think time is short for them. As I, as we as I said earlier, like they've kind of lost three years, which is about the length of their album cycles at this moment. So if they were planning to do another album, it, it, that probably will be it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like if McBrain could like they've got a tour plan for next year. Um, it, it, the, the music is demanding for the drummer, yeah. especially. Yeah. And again, I mean, on all of these 2000 albums, we keep saying, I think Nico does do a great job. I think he's, I think he's quite an underrated um, drummer, really, in, yeah. in the wider world. Certainly. But, uh, um, but yeah, I, I was, I'll always listen to what they've got to do, and I, I kind of think like they can only improve. And part of the reason is, like, as I say, like I really have a lot of love for Brave New World to Book of Souls. I think they're all four or five star albums, I think. Um, but this, they've really dropped the ball. And you know what? You can't release, and not every album is going to be great. And, you know, they've kind of earned themselves a bit of a dud. Um, I just, you know, kind of hope that they pick back up again. But I'm always going to be interested to hear what they yeah, do. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I, I, part of me hopes and wonders if, with the age issue, that if they do do something else, there will be a drastic change mm-hmm. I feel like the problem with Senjutsu is they've kind of started to make that change to make music that they can actually achievably perform mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they've yeah. only kind of gone halfway and so it's just a bit middle of the road whereas yeah. if they fully went for like a I don't know like a, a, a majorly acoustic do you know what I mean like a, I don't know not, not fully acoustic do you know what I mean like fully embrace that side a bit more it could be an interesting mm. thing yeah um, yeah we'll see um, <laughs> obviously I came into this not being an Iron Maiden fan and um, and you know I'm they're still never probably never going to be one of my favourite bands I think I'd be excited um, <laughs> uh, if I made to bring out something new because it means a chance for you to come back on Jack and get to <laughs> talk, and get, get to talk about how passionate you are about your favourite little band like um, I think this is the first. Band. <laughs> this has been, as we reflected the other day, we're two years into doing this podcast, and um, this has been the first one where actually doing the podcast has been more fun than doing the research <laughs> for me. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, like I, I, I fucking loved Hello Be My Name I fucking love Passchendaele mm. I think they're brilliant I mean songs. for me that's a victory so, the fact that you've come out with our main songs you genuinely like yeah. is not something I ever think would have been achieved no, without doing no, this no and there's some uh, there's some cracking albums here but yeah like as far as I made and future albums go it's probably going to be 90 minutes long it's probably going to be a bit shit but I get to talk to you again so that's nice well, I'd be absolutely delighted to, to, to return if, if they do put something else out Wonderful. I, I mean you've given me an outlet to talk about something that I feel vaguely qualified to do so. like don't ask me about my degree or anything <laughs> I could talk about Iron Maiden for a few hours <laughs> point me in the right direction and let me go so your number 17 Iron Maiden album please Jack Ooh, right my number 17 mm. is No Prayer for the Dying in the end fair Chris Virtual 11 X Factor cool should we just get, keep going round yeah, let's go go on uh, 16 is Virtual 11 for me yep 16 is No Prayer for the Dying Virtual 11 15 Senjutsu 15 is the X Factor. No prayer for the dying. <laughs> 14, X Factor. 14, Fear of the Dark. Uh, Senjutsu. 
13 Fear of the Dark. 13 Killers. I did a bit of rejigging of my original okay. uh, ranking, and 13 is also Killers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 12 for me is Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 Senjutsu. 12 Fear of the Dark. 11 Killers. 11 The Final Frontier. 11 Iron Maiden. 10 Number of the Beast. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 10 Somewhere in Time. Um, 10 Book of Souls. Uh, 9 Final Frontier. Uh, 9 Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. 9 Final Frontier. Eight Book of Souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight Iron Maiden. Eight Matter of Life and Death. Uh, seven Somewhere in Time. Uh, Number of the Beast. Seven Somewhere in Time. Six Peace of Mind. Snap. Six Brave New World. Five Dance of Death. Snap. <laughs> Five Seven Summon of, of a Seven Sun. Four is Power Slave. Uh, my number four is Book of Souls. My number four is Dance of Death. Uh, three Brave New World Three Power Slave um, My number three is The Number of the Beast Two is A Matter of Life and Death Snap Two is Peace of Mind And one is Seventh Son My number one is Brave New World Which I think is like a direct descendant of Seventh Son I feel Brave okay. New World Which is quite interesting Yeah fair Sorry Ollie go on What's That's okay um, You're the only one to have um, your number one of the latter era Yeah huh. my top two Yeah Yeah well Cool. Number one's Power Slave. Cool. <laughs> As it was last time. Grant. Um, Jack, you've prepared your top ten favourite Iron Maiden songs for us. I have indeed. I'll whiz through these. So, at number ten, Ace is High. Yeah. Number nine, Wasted Years. Yeah. Number eight, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. Nice. Number seven, Out of the Silent Planet. Okay. Number six, Which, uh, Where are which one started oh. the planet off, sorry? Brave New World. Brave New World. Uh, Brave New World. Thank you. Six is Where Eagles Dare. Right. Five is Passchendaele. Mm-hmm. Four, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Yep. Three is Moonchild. Yep. Two is Evil That Men Do. And number one is The Talisman. Fantastic. Cool. Nice. I think this is something else that is cool about Iron Maiden at this point as well, is I think... I don't think anyone would have the same top mm. ten songs. Yeah, even the top five. Maybe. Add add maybe two two more onto that, and you've got a dream set list there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, lovely stuff. Cool. Well, let's head into our top five. So, we've all slightly taken a different tack here. Um, so, um, uh, Chris and Chris and Jack are the most um, aligned. We've pretty much done the same, I think. Yeah. yeah so, basically, taking a, 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 a taking from the fact that they're called Iron Maiden, we've done various things about elements. So, I've done my top five songs with an element in it somewhere in the name mm-hmm. of the song. Yeah. And you've done Chris uh, artist names with an ele- either an element or the chemical symbol of the element. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And Jack, what have you done? Yeah, artist names with a, either an element in it specifically or, so, or something I've done with the 
chemical symbol. I've not just cool. gone with if the letter O appears anywhere yes. in the name. Obviously, yeah. it has to be isolated. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. Just okay. to be clear, I've not been that loose with it. Um, I mean, I was tempted at times. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you got any um, honourable mentions, Jack? Or uh, just a just, five? Uh, yeah, just two honourable mentions. Okay. Um, and, uh, like, one is very... <laughs> I'm looking up how to pronounce... So, the element is... Molybden, molybdenum, okay. molybdenum, okay. Uh, which is the chemical symbol MO. So okay. there's the Swedish artist Mö. yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the O with a little line through it. Uh, I mean, don't ask me a specific song by her. I've listened um, to some of her records. Le- She's good. Le- le- lean On's pretty great. I'll go with there that one. There you go, yeah. Lean On. And then, again, um, uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, of course. When the Levy Breaks are put in. Yeah, lovely. Uh, they were honourable mentions. Yeah, lovely. Okay, well, Chris and I have probably gone ham again. Yeah, again. <laughs> Should we just quickly fire through some? Lovely. Okay. The best way, isn't it? Um, obviously, Nirvana, Lithium. Yeah. You see, we can have completely different things here. This is great. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, do, do, uh, either of you to remember this from the mid 2000s um, Willie Mason and Oxygen. Yes. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that song. Um, appropriate for this episode. Blaze Bailey on one of his solo albums have a, has a song called Silicon Messiah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly go in with. Uh, do you know the band Radon? No, like, I don't. Um, I think they were. Uh, oh, I can't remember where it said they were from. Like Gainesville, maybe somewhere, somewhere in the US, like a pop kind of pop punk hardcore melodic hardcore band that mm. were really cool. They made a comeback. Um, go forth and hate one another would be the song there. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, Amy O, singer songwriter. Okay. Uh, Oxygen. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, song rest stop from her most recent is really cool sort of lo-fi singer songwriter stuff Um, I've got which side are you on which samples the Pete Seeger song which side are you on okay by B Dolan and Buddy Peace B being the chemical symbol for boron lovely okay (laughs) yeah I know who B Dolan is so that's that's a good bit there Um, so I've got um, Tori Amos with Carbon very good song. I checked all of these out. Um, they're, they're all they're all Ollie approved. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, um, just wanted to um, just briefly go into because they've come up. Um, Code Orange with Sulfur Surrounding. We haven't even mentioned the outbreak lineup on uh, on this mm. podcast. Um, and uh, Code Orange never really connected to them on record, but I've wanted to see them live since the last couple of albums um, got so much hype from the critics. Sulfur Surrounding is a really good one for the latest record, though. Um, and, um, I mean, I don't really like her as a person. She said some pretty shitty things, but Titanium by C is a banger. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, uh, this little jaunt, um, Fever Ray, or, um, of, well, Once of the Knife, um, uh, with uh, carbon dioxide. So that's a kind of a double, because it mentions o- oxide, oxygen. Cool. Uh, the uh, I'll go with my golds. Mm-hmm. My little gold section. Spandau Ballet? Uh, no, artists. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, gold Key, one yeah. of my favourite albums of 2020. Yeah. Um, the Best of Luck, the closer from that album is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold Frap. Uh, Lovely Head, the opener from the yeah. debut. Great song. Uh, well, I'm mostly familiar with that with its use in uh, Monkey Dust. Do mm-hmm. you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a good series. Oh, it's yeah. amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> um, uh, Santa Gold. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's several songs you could. Elias Artis. Uh, that's the one I've with? gone with in the yeah. end. 
Um, I think that's that's all my goals. I'm going to quickly burst through some silvers as well. While okay. Here, um, which would be there's only two I think I've got in the end. Silver Sun pickups. Yeah. Uh, well thought out twinkles. Love that album. Again. Yeah. Brilliant record. Um, and uh, one of my favourite jazz songs, "Song for My Father" by Horace Silver. Okay. What a name. Lovely. Um, yeah, as I just quickly mentioned there, I've got um, Spandau Ballet's Gold and The Strangler's Golden Brown. Um, <laughs> got Block Party and Mercury. Um, <laughs> not a bad sort of... Um, I think Ozzy was clean at this point, so it's okay. Neon Nights by Black Sabbath. Okay. Um, Idols and Sodium. Yeah. Can't remember what records that off, uh, that's off, but it's really good. And uh, you mentioned them earlier, Jack. Got um, Chlorine and Wine by Baroness. Just an ah. excellent track from Purple. Really good stuff. Uh, Midlife Crisis by Faith No More. NO being the symbol for Nobelium. <laughs> uh, uh, Tin Machine. Yeah. The Bowie's yeah. 90s project. Yeah. Or oh, 89, wasn't it? Something yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, and also with Tin, uh, Tinaruen. The oh yeah, 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 North African uh, band. This I read up on their story properly when I was just going into reminded of how great they are. Mm. Amazing story. That mm. needs to be a film. Um, <laughs> what else have we got? Iron and Wine. Yeah, uh, I'd go with On Your Wings. Open as the album I know the most. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through the rest of these because we're going on. Eric B and Rakim, Microphone Fiend, Boron again. Yeah. Um, then Lead Belly. Yeah. Gallus Power. Go for. Okay. Tia Nanog, <laughs> great Scottish folk duo from the 70s. <laughs> uh, time is like a promise, NA being for sodium. Uh, and then lastly, I said this would come back, the whole alchemist thing, the mm. story of John Dee, the Elizabethan alchemist. Yeah. Uh, reminded me uh, that, um, I mean that, okay, I've got Al Green, AL being aluminium. Right. Uh, so tired of being alone. But green as well, I'm also counting. Because mm. in Blackadder, in the second series, which is set in Elizabethan times, Percy tries to be an alchemist and make gold, right. and ends up making, in his words, um, a nugget of purest green instead. <laughs> so, double element there for our green. Lovely. Um, okay, I'll just um, quickly um, uh, 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 go through mine. Um, another chlorine with title fight off yeah. uh, floral green. Um, Bishop Nehru. The fantastic hip hop artist with potassium. Mm-hmm. Um, we got um, Night Verses. So Night Verses mm-hmm. came out of an emo, emo band called Sleeping. It was a sort of a side project, and then they got rid of their singer and became like a super fast instrumental band. And um, highlight of the album that everyone went batty for for a little bit mm-hmm. is uh, Copper Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, you've actually supported this artist, well, the lead singer. Um, in Raggy Bones you supported Dave Hawes yeah. of The Loved Ones hey. he has a song called Arsenic well The Loved Ones do yeah yeah um, <laughs> everybody remembers this Wrestle Metal classic Three Doors Down and Kryptonite <laughs> of course crap absolute crap <laughs> um, one of my dad's favourite bands Lemmy's band before Motorhead Hawkwind with yeah. Silver Machine of course mm. um, Dunn Stranglers uh, Deftones and Xenon of Gore wouldn't have thought of that yeah nice. um, got a cheeky one here um, Green Lung yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah. Lead as of the Blind that's alright it's green <laughs> oh no, 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 no I'd go for the 
Oh yeah, okay. So as we've established, is a camera. And um, a recently covered band on the podcast, um, Stained Silver by Kelvin. Cave in. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. IN also being a, a chemical there you go. symbol. Um, <laughs> Indium. So, um, oh yeah, what, Indium or something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack, you're number five, please, mate. Uh, okay, so MG is yeah. a chemical signal for magnesium. Magnesium, so yeah. MG, MT, time to pretend. Nice. Lovely. Very good. Fantastic. Good. Didn't think of that. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to put electric feel on, though, because time to pretend is always on our, already on our playlist from a different thing. I apologise. I'm also no, no, no. a period of the table now, and MT is also a different element. So oh, there we go. Double F. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, my uh, number five is uh, slightly, slightly overshadowed now by things, but which is a shame. But um, uh, Al Wilson, mm-hmm. AL again, yep. uh, aluminium, um, has a song that became massive in the Northern Soul scene, uh, The Snake. Oh, yeah. Um, which unfortunately was used by Donald Trump in some of his right. rallies, apparently, which I didn't realise. But um, the, the that I, it's made me remembering that song has made me remember and go and buy off eBay an old epi- an old issue of Q magazine. Right. When I was at uni, uh, Joe, my housemate, had a subscription to Q, and I remember mm. in there was a 2007 issue that came through, and the whole issue was 500 lost songs, mm. like songs that weren't on albums and things yeah, yeah, by yeah. artists that people might not know about. And I remember spending days just going through that mm. and finding those songs and yeah, yeah. ones I liked, um, and that was one of them. And brilliant I've loved that song ever since so I'm really pleased to get it on there lovely brilliant um, really pleased to get this band on our playlist I, I think we've mentioned them a few times speaking of them fondly maybe um, no I, probably not actually ever I can't remember at this point but uh, anyway <laughs> it's Jawbox and Iodine we might not have done but yeah nice yeah Jawbox fantastic band G- kind of wish I'd seen their reunion shows they played the Le- uh, Ledger Ballroom last year mm. Great band. Um, your number four, please, Jack. Uh, well, all of my artists have, have subsequently been mentioned at this point, so mm. my number four vote is uh, Iron and Wine, Boy of a Coin. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Uh, my number four, another one I'm really pleased to get on, is Jackson C. Frank, C being carbon. Right. Uh, part He was part of the, like, 60s folk revival in, in, okay. in New York. Yep. Um, but again his story is one that should be a film <laughs> because the amount of shit that guy went through um, basically the, the the very short version is he ended up kind of being homeless in New York and someone tracked him down because he never right. recorded an album and he just recorded odd yeah, songs yeah, yeah. someone tracked him down found him and got him and recorded him playing a load of songs he'd written in the meantime that yeah. no one would have ever heard otherwise Yeah, uh, and Tumble in the Wind is my favourite of those it's one of my favourite songs wonderful what uh, full stop mm. okay awesome but it's only made you number four I remember number four. Um, my number for, four for for reasons of playlisting. Let's right. Say. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, my number four here is actually kind of a shout out. So I when when this came up, I was like, oh, I've seen that name about a lot this year. It's uh, Neon by Jockstrap of cool. I Love You, Jennifer B, which has been one of the year's most critically acclaimed records. Mm-hmm. On the whole not for me okay it's kind of like Jack have, have you heard the Jockstrap record I have heard the Jockstrap record they're playing Rockwell Park next summer as oh well. lovely little one day festival thing um, so to me I don't know if you two will agree but to me they kind of sounded like sound like 
St. Vincent fronting churches, but if they played slowed down hyperpop. <laughs> I can see how you've got there. <laughs> it's not where I would have gone. I can see how you got there. But um, while, while I wasn't a fan on the whole of I Love You, Jennifer B., um, Neon's a fantastic opener. Mm. Really like it. So that's going on. Cool. Your number three, please, Jack. Uh, already mentioned, so Al Wilson and The Safe as well. Uh, I think it's a great song. Cool. It's a, yeah. Nice. It, it's, a, it's a song of a moral that I think about a lot, politically, <laughs> footballingly. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was a snake before you brought me in. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your number three, Chris? My number three, uh, the element actinium. Right. Has the chemical symbol AC. Right. ACDC, back in black. Lovely. Lovely. Well, <laughs> not quite the same impact as that, but number, <laughs> number three has a hell of a lot of great memories uh, attached to it. Um, Ideas Above Our Station by 100 Reasons was one of the greatest mm-hmm. if not the best album of that whole era of Brit Rock probably better than any Biffy Clyro album um, better than any Ruben album um, Hell is for Heroes you know you name them Million Dead Rock Properts Funeral Friends yeah it, it, um, Ideas Above Our Station I think I prefer on the whole fair enough so Silver is going on Probably my favourite 2000 Trees moment still mm. is the acoustic performance of Silver in the Forest. I mean, that that adds to it, that lovely summer in 2012 that I spent watching um, 100 Reasons to Do Ideas Above Our Station in full several times. It's <laughs> fucking brilliant. And new album to look forward to in the new year. Yay! I would uh, I'd totally have put Silver on, on the list if I was I was mm. trying to keep it artist-wise, but that's great. The, the, their first three albums were all just great, I think. Okay. Not many defenders of Shatterproof is not a challenge, but fair enough. Yeah, no, I, 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 think I, I was, I was surprised at how good they were when I finally got around to actually checking them out. Mm. I think, I, I think, I, I was in a position where I started seeing them at like Leeds Festival maybe two or three years in a row before I bought any records, and I mm. just sort of by the third time I was like, right, I'm just going to buy all their records, which I think was probably the free that they had out yeah. at that time. So mm. I sort of just lumped all of the album together. I did. I think I did know that Shatterproof isn't a challenge. Is a was less less well thought of, but it's all just in the mix for me, really. Mm. Lovely. Your number two, please, Jack. Uh, it's also Santa Gold, mm. uh, and I chose The Riot's Gone. Lovely. Nice. Wonderful. Is that sort of a later one, or is that off a uh, same record as, like, LESRT, that sort of thing? It's off her second record, I think. Okay. Um, same as, um, what was the other uh, big single off of that? D- uh, oh, it's a great album. Something <laughs> Youth. Right. Yeah, disparate youth. That's right. It. It's a really good album. That's awesome. really what I listened to that not so long ago. She's coming back soon. New album, twenty twenty three. Yeah, so that'd be worth checking out. Definitely. Your number two, Chris. Uh, Lanthanum has the chemical symbol LA. The Lars. There she goes. <laughs> what a song. Well, I had Stranglers Golden Brown earlier, so yeah. that's two songs about heroin. I mean, my fav- <laughs> my favourite thing now about that song is there's a family friend, that a mutual family friend of both me and Nikki's parents, uh, whose daughter recently got married, hmm. uh, who obviously Nikki and I both know as well, um, and the mother decided to sing There She Goes at the Wedding. 
Right. Obviously having no idea it was about heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really tickled me. Quite, quite enjoyed it. Now for some reason I'm singing There She Goes by the Lars in my head in an Partridge voice. There she goes again. <laughs> there she goes again. Right, I have been desperate to talk about this song forever and now have a, finally have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now... When you say the name Paolo Nutini, oh, I'm a big fan. No, I know, I know you are, but like everyone might think of the uh, same um, um, these shoes, yeah, new, and uh, last request that cheesy yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff of the mid two thousands. But after that, he went and made a like a post rock song called Iron Sky, mm-hmm. which is fucking amazing. Um, his album this year is really good. Okay, well. I'll check it out. Like an old flatmate played this, uh, played this to me, and I was like, "Okay, so that's the um, second most sampled yeah. um, <laughs> film excerpts." The Charlie Chaplin speech for the Great Dictator, dictator behind Howard Beale from Network. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was like, "Who is this? This is brilliant." She's like Pauli Nutini. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that whole album's great. But yeah, yeah Iron Sky by Pauli Nutini, amazing. Are you song. telling me I need to stop ignoring Pauli Nutini as like a concept in my life? Well, <laughs> I think I think we are. I think we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those that that, that <laughs> album, and then he went quiet for years, and then had another one this year, and they are both really good. Okay. My perspectives are being challenged. <laughs> <laughs> Much like mine by Iron Maiden. <laughs> so here we go. We learn and we grow. <laughs> You're number one, please, Jack. Uh, gold wrap. Uh, and I, 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 yeah, I couldn't decide which one because mm. they're, they're very. I really like Lovely Head. There's a lot of variety um, there, isn't there? Yeah, and then the second two albums, they go into the electro pop stuff. I've just yeah. La La because yeah. it was just the first song I yeah. connected with. Fair. Them. But I also I do like um, A and E again, which they went a bit more folky mm-hmm. on on the subsequent. On. Are, are they still going? Yeah, kind of lost. Oh, cool. But yeah, like, I, I love Ooh La La. Um, Gold Frapp are like an underrated influence on a lot of the big pop at the time. Yeah. Like um, mm. Kylie did a lot of Gold Frappy stuff yeah. around the time. Girls Aloud certainly did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can hear it, can't you? Mm. <sighs> My number one's got two chemical elements in it. Lovely. Um, Indium, previously mentioned as IN. Yeah. Uh, bookmarks, but uh, the, the, sorry, bookends the second half of the artist. Yeah. And then starting the name is Astatine, which is AT. Okay. ATIN. ATIN. At the drive in. Right. Uh, I'm, <laughs> go- I'm, going, uh, I'm going pattern against user. Lovely. Just because I didn't want to be obvious and go, yeah, well, I'm sister. Patty yeah. Usual was the first song and that I discovered that the drive, like, got me into mm-hmm. that drive in. That was the one mm-hmm. that I hooked onto first, so that's mm-hmm. the one I'll put on there. Fair enough. Dum, 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 dum. Hey! Yeah. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> my number one Tin E Dancer. <laughs> 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 Oh, I can't even be annoyed at that. <laughs> um, and, appro- and unappropriate, as Elton yes. this week has announced mm. his last ever UK show will be closing out Glastonbury 2023. We'll be sad to see him go. Well. A, a, an absolute bastion of British music. I, I'm, I'm jealous of people going to Glastonbury. 
<laughs> to be able to see that. <laughs> Sorry, that really tickled me. Glad the bird. Yeah. We are a band, Chris and I are two members of a band. We are called My Eyes Are Old and Bent. We play a blend of post-hardcore and post-metal. Uh, we can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at the handle at M-E-A-O-A-B. Jack, have you ever listened to us? Have you ever listened to uh, Defiant? Uh, I've listened to your one song on Spotify. It's on my starred playlist. Ooh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to check it out like Jack has, do please do so. It's on Spotify, as he says, and Apple Music and Bandcamp. So, shall we say the catchphrase? Okay. EP is in the making. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'd like more than one track. So yeah, yeah please, it's, please. We're just what have we got left out to do? Of the making. Two vocals left to record, and then it's done. I think. Yeah. And then hours of mixing from Australia. <laughs> some backing oh, vocals. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one day. One, one day. day. <laughs> But more excitingly than that, uh, our EP finally being done. I mean, that's the most exciting thing, actually. But anyway, well, no, we have a gig. Grim Heart Promotions have a gig. Mm. So this is Chris, myself, and Nikki wanted to put on London uh, shows in London. Sorry. So if you are in a band, if you manage a band, if you manage a venue, if you're mates of a band and want to shout them out, or you're just interested in cool shows that might be coming up in London and Surrey, do give us a shout on Facebook and Instagram at Grimheart Promo and we have a show we announced yeah, it last one time one we can announce and one we can't <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh, not yet anyway yeah, but uh, on the 17th of December as we mentioned last time out uh, we've got Get Kate Wear Kate Fly play, uh, playing at the Old Blue Last for Hackney Food Bank um, we've now rounded out our bill so that will form my shout outs for this week cool so um, we've got um, we've got T Peters who was shouted who out on the Kendrick episodes. Yeah, uh, we got Hussy, Wildest, and we got Don't Worry, the indie emo band playing mm. a stripped back acoustic set. So, going to be a lovely time. Hussy and Wildest, I've checked out too. Um, Wildest, like strong, I think, Caroline Polacek vibes. Mm. I really liked Hussy stuff. T. Peter sounds fantastic. Can't wait for any uh, for all of those sets. They, they, um, it's going to be a really great time. It's uh, nine pound on Dice Dice.fm, the ticketing app. So yeah, um, all profits going to the Hackney Food Bank. They're going to send someone down to give us a talk. And um, it's uh, night before the World Cup final, week before Christmas. Just come and have a lovely time. Exactly. With us. That's it. Lovely times all round. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a couple of other shout-outs, but do you, uh, do you have any this week, uh, Jack? Um, I had kind of forgotten about shout-outs until you mentioned it at the start, so I've been <laughs> trying to think. I've been doing a little bit of reflection on um, favourite album of the year stuff. Lovely. Uh, I was I was saying to Chris off 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 mic, just it, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with my um, trying to listen to as much music as possible, but then yep. also trying to have time to go back and revisit and actually form relationships with these albums. Yeah. Which I think I need to redress and uh, maybe listen to less, but more yeah. often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. So as such, I, I haven't really gone, um, got strong feelings about an album of the year, but um, an artist that I love uh, um, released one this year, so Mitski, mm-hmm. uh, Laurel Hell, mm-hmm. uh, is an album I have listened to a lot. Um, and I went to see it as well. It was the first big gig I went to after lockdown and 
I, I shed tears at her opening track, which was from this album. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't feeling especially sentimental, but it kind of just got me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, if, yeah, if that's a thing coming back to live music from lockdown. But yeah, yeah it's a it's a wonderful album. It's it's um, a lot more influenced by eighties pop, I think, than some of the pre- previous stuff, um, which I am fully on board with. And yeah, if that hasn't already crossed your radar, then I would I'd recommend that. But um, yeah, and I'll be thinking more about other albums. Where did um, she play? Putting it on my Twitter. Uh, that was at the Roundhouse. Oh, right, cool. Yes, yes. Lovely. Absolutely jam-packed. I didn't mm. realise how many teenage girls are fans of Mitski. <laughs> see them in the wild and that, oh my God, I look like a sex I think, <laughs> Yeah. I think she's a bit of a reluctant pop star, mm. Mitski. She, yeah, she, she seems to have attracted the audience that she, a bit like, yeah. a bit like Kurt Cobain doesn't really like her audience. Who's sorry? Mitski. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it's quite an interesting dynamic, actually. And mm. It was her first album back after a bit of a hiatus. Um, uh, I, I think, again, because she'd kind of fallen out of love with making and performing music. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think that's more it than, fans, than, than, than a relationship, necessarily a negative relationship with well, her audience. Well, they did a, there was an element of her fans that tried to, I, I don't know if cancel is the right word, but like her dad to the CIA or, right. or FBI or something. Yeah. And they were like, what have you got to say about this Mitski? And she was a bit like, uh, I, 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 I don't really have an awful lot to say about it at all. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. My dad did when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry, that's all a bit secondhand. You might, <laughs> uh, you might want to get your lawyers checking that out. <laughs> 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 that's what I heard anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, she's a really interesting artist and does some wonderful music. Hmm. Chris, your shout outs for this type, this episode? Uh, yeah, I've got one that I only discovered yesterday, but mm. um, really, really enjoyed. Mm. Weirdly enough, the last time we did Iron Maiden, the Iron Maiden episode before, uh, my shout out was for a Scottish band. Yeah. Uh, again, I've got a Scottish post metal band from Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, Code Speaker. Okay. Um, self-titled album came out fourth of November. Just, I mean, I figured if you're a fan of Iron Maiden, you're going to be a fan of riffs, <laughs> and this album is just full of deliciously crushing riffs. Fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. Got a vague FFO. Uh, post metal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, all post metal. <laughs> Bosk, Cult of Luna, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bunch of circles, yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. Um, and uh, a, a completely unrelated to Iron Maiden, but kind of just a, a shout out for Other Half's new album that came out oh, on yes. Friday. Yeah. Listen to it on the way here. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Other Half, I was tempted to shout out, but uh, I think we have done before. Other Half, yeah. we put on in February. They're a Norwich based um, sort of noise punk band. Yeah. 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 Really great stuff. Really great stuff. Um, yeah, the new album's fantastic. And talking of noise punk, I didn't realise this band was still going. Do you remember Blacklisters? No. No. Leeds, noisy, punk, heavy, cool shit. <laughs> They're great, Blacklisters. They're fantastic. Like, if you like anything Steve Albini's ever put his name cool. to, you'll love Blacklisters. Nice. Um... But they, they when they kind of, uh, kind of spell it Brewsters. Oh, okay, that rings more of a bell. Right, seeing it. Yeah, yeah. okay. But uh, yeah, I, um, no idea they're still going. But put out a couple of great episodes, um, uh, albums out in the early 2010s, uh, which I loved. Uh, like kind of contemporaries and toured a lot with Porter Papa Horses mm-hmm. at the time. That's how I think I got into them. But um, 
but yeah new albums really fantastic and mentioned earlier just a quick uh, um, shout out for the um, sad awful news about Chrissy McVie mm-hmm. of uh, Fleetwood Mac this week inevitable future episode where we can talk about her majesty yes and how she wrote You Make Loving Fun about shagging their lighting technician and pretending it's about <laughs> and a dog. Made her husband play it live <laughs> night after night. <laughs> <laughs> that was a messed up band. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> can't wait to get into that uh, when we when we when we inevitably do them. Uh, so and it'll have to be an era split just like we've done them. Exactly. Made them. Yeah. But but we don't have to era split. It's our next artist, but before that, to our plugs, um, all of our favourite cuts will be added to our Spotify Rank Bank playlist, link for which will be in the bio for this podcast, and all of our uh, Niche and Better Top 5 picks, and picks from our shout-outs. Um, yeah, so uh, we we are on Twitter as a podcast at bbts underscore pod. Uh, do come at us with your Iron Maiden opinions uh, and your uh, opinions about any of our other episodes Kendrick one was really fun to do uh, do please go back if you haven't checked that already for our two year anniversary and uh, yeah um, but um, probably after what is now eight hours of Iron Maiden <laughs> probably sick and tired of our voices which is fair enough uh, me too at times <laughs> um, I am on Twitter at O-L-L-I-E-X-C-O-R-E Chris you are on at C-M Grumps and Jack you are on at Jack Kirby and That's about a dozen right. other social media websites so our next episode is Chris's choice it's our Christmas I, episode I feel, I feel a pang of like panic whenever you say that in that people are going to think <laughs> I've chosen this because I'm a big fan <laughs> it was purely my sixth sense of humour of making Ollie listen to this band's discography yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah, because it's Christmas, uh, we haven't we didn't do a Christmas uh, a particularly eff- a particular effort for Christmas yeah. last year, uh, but because they had uh, because it's coming out on Christmas Day, and because they had a monumental Christmas single, we are covering the seven albums of the darkness. <laughs> All seven glorious albums. As if I had enough. Seven albums. Have fun. Have fun with that. I mean, as if I had enough. As if I hadn't had enough of cheesy metal <laughs> with Iron Maiden. <laughs> Got to do the darkness next. Oh, dear. So to to hear us and do we that. And we will do our. Uh, mm. Yes. Yes. Albums as well. Then right. Yeah. So inst- uh, next time around, instead of our niche and a better top five. Chris and I are going to reveal our top 10 albums of 2022 which will be exciting Chris accidentally already knows my top 3 <laughs> I'm hoping he'll forget in the meantime uh, but I, I said it to someone on Twitter and he saw and said spoilers which is fair enough sorry mate Have you? Uh, do, do you reckon you've listened to everything you're going to listen to for that or have you got any homework and catch up no to I've probably got a few more things I've been keen to catch mm-hmm. up on for a while um, to to listen to before. Don't know if any will dislodge my top three, but uh, we'll see. Mm. We'll, we'll we'll see if any others creep up through my because uh, I'm pretty much done with my darkness notes at this point. So oh, I've got, got a uh, nice amount of time to properly yeah to, work it to out. prep. <laughs> um, so yeah, join us for that uh, if you if you um, if you want to hear us talk about Seven Hours of the Darkness. <laughs> do subscribe on your favorite podcatcher if you haven't already, and while you, while you're doing so. Uh, leave us a five star review please 
and uh, recommended to do a pal because you know as we said last time this podcast only reaches more more uh, more ears in a field of so many through word of mouth <laughs> and we really appreciate shouting us out yeah thanks for joining us Jack uh, please come back on if if I made an, never do anything else please do someone else with us because we've loved having you um, I would be uh, absolutely delighted I've had a I've had a lovely lovely time so, wonderful yeah. Excellent for that. Uh, lovely stuff. And uh, goodbye, Chris. Bye. But Jack, have a wonderful Christmas. I will indeed. You too. I will. I will try and make your uh, uh, your uh, old blue lasking if I possibly can do. But, That'd be uh, lovely to see you, mate. That'd be lovely to see you. Yeah. But uh, take care, everyone out there, and uh, we'll see you for the darkness. Bye bye. Bye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye, Jack. Bye. <laughs> I think I love crisps more than you like Iron Maiden. Uh, I like. I think I like. I think I probably like crisps more than I like Iron Maiden. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> what, what crisps were you eating? Um, little sour cream and onion lentil curls. Oh, highly recommended. Nice. They are very good. And what I like like doing them best is really weird, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Is I like um, smashing them up and pouring them into soup like savoury cornflakes mm. I, I, I I can relate to that before I'm <laughs> vegan I am um, uh, cheesy watsits on Heinz tomato soup is Ooh, uh, nice <laughs> <laughs> these, so, these uh, are very much that I feel like Bob Mortimer would um, approve of these recipes I'm not One. sure if that's like experimentation or just a sign of deep depression <laughs> <laughs>